Okay, here we go. Um, if you didn't, you got to listen to last week because we're talking about uh, lessons from the Sea of Galilee, truths that I have learned from this story in Scripture. And if you didn't listen to part one, you got to listen to that one first. So just, oh, wait a second. Just go ahead. Push that link in. No, seriously. Oh, you already you already watched that one? Already listened to that one? Okay, cool. Great. Fantastic. Let's get right into it then. Um, last week, we talked about how Jesus sent the disciples across uh, the sea. Jesus went to the mountain to pray. Nighttime comes. They get caught uh, in the middle of a storm. Jesus walks on the water. No problem for him to walk on the water. Not only that, the wind's blowing. He's walking as if the wind's not a problem. Peter asks, say, if that's you, call me out on the water. Peter gets out in the storm onto the water. Then he gets kind of scared, sinks. Jesus pulls him out. They walk to the boat together. The second Jesus gets onto the boat, storm stops. They're on the other side immediately. And they worship him and minister on that side of the sea. And this is coming right after the miracle of feeding the 5,000. Um, so it's really incredible all that's going on at this moment. But we're kind of talking about these this uh, this story um, and the truths that I learned from it and sharing some scripture you know, about those uh, those things. All right, lesson number four. Um, and it's four because we did three in the last one. Number four, don't miss the miracles right in front of you. This is very interesting because I never noticed this before. Because what happens is is that this miracle of feeding the five thousand happens, and the disciples don't even blink their eye. They're just they're not like, "Wow, whoa, food multiplied." But then he walks in the water, calms the storm, and they're like, "Whoa, what happened? How did he do that?" Well, an answer to that question is in Mark six of like, "Why, why weren't they amazed at the other thing?" Mark 6, 51, 52 says this, and he went up in them, he blah, and he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Like they were desensitized to it. It's like, you know, they were used to seeing him do miracles, but for what this one like really shook them. They missed a miracle right in front of them. They saw the next one, but they missed the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, a miracle that occurred right in front of them. So I'm going to encourage you in the story, don't miss the miracles that are right in front of you. Miracles that God's doing right in front of us, and we miss them. Uh, as Christians, we often overlook the miracle right in front of us because we're preoccupied wanting or expecting something else. Don't miss the miracle that once you were lost, now you're found, and Jesus could have let you burn in hell. That's a miracle. Don't miss the miracle that you have been given purpose, focus, and reason for living that is way beyond anything the world can offer. It's a miracle. Don't miss the miracle of seeing others come to Christ. Seeing people get saved. Seeing people get redeemed by the love of God. It's a miracle. 
Don't miss the miracle of the beauty in creation, even in the midst of a curse-ridden world, even amongst all the terrible things that we see happen on the planet. Even through it all, we can still see God's beautiful, amazing, miraculous creation that could not have been an accident. And don't miss the miracle of life. Because God didn't have to make you. There's miracles right in front of us. We're living in a miracle. We're experiencing God's grace. It's a miracle. But so often we're looking at what's God going to do for me next? Can I get, you know, what's, what's God going to do? I'm going to pray for this miracle, pray for this thing. I need, I'm expecting this. It took something really dramatic for the disciples to acknowledge a miracle. I mean, that might be the case for us. May we notice the miracles. It'd be easy for me to say notice the small things, but miracles are not small things. Creation is not a small thing. Redemption is not a small thing. God's love for you is not a small thing. God saving sinners is not a small thing. The fifth thing I want to share is that wet people can serve Jesus. This sounds kind of funny, and I realize that. Peter, it's probably embarrassed still, the fact, you know, being all wet. In fact, this isn't the first or last mistake that Peter will make. Oftentimes we think that serving Jesus is for perfect people, for people that have their whole acts together, who, who never doubt God. But here you have Peter doubting. But God had big plans for him. You see, I'm not a perfect Christian. I'm not a perfect husband. I'm not a perfect father. I'm not a perfect son. I'm not a perfect pastor. I'm not a perfect employee. I'm not a perfect friend. I'm not a perfect musician. Not a perfect podcaster. Not a perfect YouTuber. Far from it. Like, I'm not even close. I don't even know what I'm doing. Um, And oftentimes, I just feel like Peter. Still wet from my most recent struggle in my faith. The things I have taught or preached are not things that I don't struggle with. Everything that I teach in the podcast, every time I teach in a pulpit, every time I talk with a friend, offer a word of encouragement, I struggle with all of it. I've had times where I've doubted God that he could actually help me in certain struggles. I've had times where I've lived by what I could see and feel instead of by faith. I've not been thankful sometimes for the miracles that are right in front of me. And um, sometimes I've felt like Peter. Like I'm going to drown in my own defeat. But you see, serving Jesus isn't for perfect, polished people. It's for wet people who know they need Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 15, 9, Paul said this, I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. 
He also said in Romans 7, For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Paul, one of these amazing, amazing people in the New Testament, does all these incredible things for God. His past probably your, your past probably pales in comparison to his. Un, unless you slaughtered a bunch of Christians. Then maybe you're on the same, same track. And then he admits about his struggle with sin. Even as a believer. Because you might have past failures. And you probably struggle with sin. Because we all do. We all have a past. We all have things that we struggle with. Now let's serve Jesus. <laughs> let's lift up his name. You see, failures and sin aren't keeping you from serving Jesus. Pride and unconfessed sin is. Well, it's because of my past. I can't do anything. and I have this sin. Get rid of the ego. Get rid of the pride. Rest in Jesus. Confess your sin. It's time to serve him. It's time to serve him. See, Peter completely soaked, cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus carried him through and took him to a place that no one thought possible. Just read, just read the New Testament. See First John 1, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Confess, repent, follow Jesus. It's time to serve him. And the sixth thing I learned in this story is that the greatest miracle is believing on Jesus Christ. See, there's another part of the story that's very interesting. Because they had seen Jesus go up into the mountain. And they came back the next day and he wasn't there. They saw him tell the disciples to go across and he didn't go with them. They couldn't figure out where he went. He basically disappeared. And in John 6, it says this in verse 25, When they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? How would you get here? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. They came for more food. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him that God the Father sealed. They uh, Then said they unto him, What shall we do, that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. Hey, hey well... We just want to know how do you do these miracles? How do you do these different things? We want to know, we know how to we want to know how to multiply food. We want to know how to disappear and reappear on the other side of the sea. Teach us how to do that work. No, no. 
Now this is the work, that you believe on me. And I get it. You might be listening, watching, and thinking, but I need, I need a miracle. I, I need to know how to stretch my budget to the end of the month. I need to know how we're going to get through this year. I, I lost my job because of COVID, and, and I lost a loved one. I'm Everything's changed. 2020's been awful. Maybe you're praying for money, a job, housing, or healing, but... But what you need is the greatest miracle of all. So if you're listening, you're watching, you're not a genuine believer. That's the miracle that you need. And if you are a believer and you're praying for a miracle, we talked about this last week. Jesus isn't going to leave you. He's not going to let you drown. He loves you. He's there. Even through the hard stuff. But if, but if you're not a believer... That's the miracle. And know you're looking for something else right now. I know you're looking for someone to change everything for your life in regards to money or a job or housing or health. But you need the greatest miracle. Matthew 16, 26 says this, For what is a, a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus isn't someone you try out. Christianity isn't something that you try. It's someone that you trust. I'm not on here asking you to try Jesus, put him on a trial run. No. I'm asking you to repent and believe the gospel. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works as any man should boast. Acts 16, 31 says this, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. This is the miracle that you need. Jesus died for your sins. Jesus is God. He is perfect. He took your sins and buried them into the grave. And he rose again on the third day, defeating death, showing that sin and death have no power over him. And that through his life, he proved who he was. He had authority over sin and death. And he wants to redeem you. Will you believe? Repent and believe the good news that Jesus saves. You might not have the money. You might not have the housing. You might not have these possessions that you think you might need at this moment. But if you have Jesus, you have everything that you need. Hope you're encouraged. Hope you're blessed. Subscribe, like, share, comment, send an email. This is podcast at gmail.com. If you haven't listened on the podcast, go over to Apple Podcasts or Podbean.com. Give me a five-star rating if you don't mind. Or if you're on podcasts and haven't been on YouTube yet, even if you don't watch YouTube, just run over there and hit the subscribe button, and it would be greatly appreciated. Read the Bible. Live the Bible. Worship God authentically. God bless you.